0: microphones and headphones provided by cad audio cad audio expression through innovation
1: do not attempt to adjust your device this is extreme freedom audio bulletin it cannot be traced it cannot be stopped and it is the only free voice left And welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It is the dazzling duo. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought of that. I think it works.
2: It's brilliant. (laughs) It should be a movie movie title.
0: (laughs)
1: Um, It is Derek, myself, Mike, and that strange voice you heard is, yes, for a fourth week in a row, we've got a guest. Uh, You have seen him. In the blockbuster hit *Rogue Warrior*, he's going to be coming at, starring in the soon to be released in the next year or two *Epic Time War*. The Time War, which I can't. Oh, that was awesome! Uh, and of course, you, you might might have seen him in that small little independent short film <laughs> called *The
2: Hobbit*. I know that was funny because that was a breakout. Is that little film made three billion dollars? I think. And, yeah, and that was in the first three months of each release of each film. And that
0: I'm not sure I remember those.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and that voice. So there you go.
1: And that voice is William Kircher. Hey guys. How's that Hello, going?
2: America.
1: How are you today? Good. We're we're doing good. Where are you
2: guys? I'm in Florida. Yes, uh, you're in Florida, Derek. Where are you? I'm in Massachusetts. Oh my God! This is the modern world, and here I'm in um, Beverly Hills. That, that works for us. Yep. Uh,
0: that's why you still have sun.
1: <laughs> I do. I do. It's beautiful out there. For <laughs> for what? Another hour? Two? Yeah,
2: what's the time? Yeah, an hour. An hour and a half. Yeah, an hour. By the look of it.
1: Um, so nice here, looking out of the hills. love it. Since Tracy's the one who helped bring, bring you onto the show, yeah. let's, let's talk first a uh, little Rogue Warrior and a little uh,
2: Time War. Well, I just want to say that both Neil Johnson and Tracy Birdsall are some of my favorite people in the world. I love what they do, and I love their drive, and I love their spirit of independent filmmaking. And I think Neil is a quiet genius, <laughs> simply because he just is.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, and I love working with that. We actually worked together yesterday. We do be doing some filming for also for the Evolution War. So I've come on board on that oh, one. Nice. as well. yeah,
1: awesome. Excellent. Yeah, we're looking forward to that as well. That um, fun. Derek and I both mentioned last week on Wookie Radio that we want Neil directing a Star Wars film of some sort. What are those guys he's talked about if he said anything on set?
2: Well, we all know that Neil is a, a raving Star Wars fan. But the just funny thing is, yeah. he's actually just creating his own path. I mean you might say bring him in to direct a Star Wars, but he's creating his yeah. own okay. you know, version of Star Wars. And he's um and he's doing it all. And that's what I just um Man, I just can't get enough of that shit. I just um, really appreciate filmmakers that just get out there and do it. And they just, you know, they don't take the back seat. They don't even wait for the money. They just go ahead and do it. And, you know, the money comes, they get out there. And I'm just saying that there's two kinds is – there's you raise the money to make a film or you make a film and then you raise, raise the money yeah. which is you know what it's like Well, we, you've got to admire that well
1: we we mentioned neil because we would love to see a star wars film that is done in the purest sci-fi form like what he does with yeah, the way he attacks be, sci-fi yeah that um, would be
2: really, really interesting which
1: you know to do a to do a standalone movie have him do a standalone movie would
2: be superb would be it would be fantastic it'd be so, perfect marriage i think so but as a, as we all agree he's you know creating his own yeah, you yeah. know his own blockbuster time war is going to be insane i mean it is simmering, simmering away it's like a um it's like a soup <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And not in a bad way, in the, in just that there's so many ingredients that are going to make that delicious, you know, offering that's going to be the time war. And it is um, – he spent so much time on it. We've done some amazing – we've shot some incredible stuff for that. Uh, so I'm so looking forward to it. It's going to be an epic. It's going to be like a Game of Thrones but yeah. in a sci-fi world. Oh. You know, it's a cinematic epic Hearing in glorious, inglorious technicolor.
1: Hearing from hearing that about from Tracy. Hearing that from Neil himself. Now hearing that from you. I know we we were excited when Tracy brought it up with the way she described it. And I don't know about Derek because I'm not going to speak for him on this. But the more and more we hear people, you know, yourself and even Neil talk about it, it's like just get it out. Wait, I, no. I can't. I can't wait. He
2: wants personally. to make it perfect. But all I can say is when you're talking about things like time tanks and um yeah. <laughs> and Nazis and time travel and I mean it just um it's got a lot going for it. I'm so looking forward to it anyway. Well um and Rogue Warrior, look at that. Look at that, getting a Sony distribution deal. How fucking amazing is that? Yeah, I wish I was on the cover. <laughs> pass, it, pass it over here. I'll sign it for you.
0: <laughs> hey, uh,
2: technology
0: lo- hasn't reached that, that level yet. <laughs>
2: it, it's not far off. I love actually what I do love about Skype is you do kind of feel <laughs> so connected. I Skype my family back in New Zealand, and its you feel like you can pass things through the screen. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's got to be really great.
1: It is. So w- since Rogue Warrior is out, let's talk a little bit about your character and um, and your character's
2: story in Rogue Warrior. Well, uh, two roles in Rogue Warrior. One was Dr. Johnson, which was um, Neil based on his father, which I was a great, you know, um, I, I was honored by that because um, Neil's dad died not too long before I came on board to shoot, and so he created that character for me. And so that was kind of a, that was a, a very special thing. I can't say too much, but all I can say is that there is a definite future for that character of uh, Dr. Johnson um, in the future. That's all I can say, but things are happening with that role. And also in the um, Rogue Warrior, I, of course, I voiced the um, uh, Scourge, the evil giant robot asshole, um, <laughs> for, want of, for want of a better word.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> so that was fun. But It's been great. It's been great. It's been a great trip um, working alongside uh, filmmakers that I really respect. I've been really enjoyed that. So, And yeah, your turn.
1: I was gonna say um, now with Evolution War, I know Neil was kind of cryptic about what he would talk about with it.
2: It's just you gotta wait, you gotta wait. You what? do. We got. He's got plans. <laughs> what I've got a I've got a confident, confidentiality agreement, and he would. Have me taken out <laughs> if I say too much.
1: <laughs> I, I, I can see that. Neil. Now. now Neil has a heavy metal band show up at the door with big giant speaker <laughs> no, stack.
2: They'll beat you to death with guitars. <laughs> next,
1: next thing we know, we see in the papers William Kirchner dead by brown note.
2: Oh, yeah. Played no. play to death, death by rock <laughs>
0: <laughs> I suppose there are worse ways to go
2: Oh, I, I was just going to say that I'd love to, it <laughs> will be a great way to go <laughs> So yes, no, that was fun So, you know, lots of things brimming along and happening And I've done some other stuff as well So it's all good
1: Well, if you want to go to that other stuff
2: I have to, because that's part of my job <laughs> Um, um I've got a horror film out called The Axiom which is been picked up by a major a sales agency in Europe and awesome. it, it is yeah and it's going to um they're they're selling it there first um it's a fantastic film about a world A little bit the same – a little bit, you know, it sounds like a familiar story, but it's a completely different take. It's national parks, and it's people going missing in national parks. But in this particular national park, there's portals into other worlds. There's more than one. They're like gateways. Oh, I like that. So I play a guy that actually lures people into these situations. And in those gateways, behind those gateways, there is unspeakable shit. It's like a really freaky – you know. Some freaky film, very intelligent, scary, dangerous horror, which is what we want them to be, horror film. So very proud of that, and um, that is going to Bifan, which is the Korean major Korean horror festival, and it's also at a Spanish one called Sitges, uh-huh. which is a, another another huge um, genre festival. So it's been accepted into those. And so that was a bit of fun, and other little bits and pieces. But you know, you guys sooner to talk. Ask me questions. <laughs>
1: well, let's talk a little bit about that that small independent film we mentioned, uh, directed by the up and coming Peter Jackson, the, the Hobbit. What What was that like? Um, I'm I'm gonna say going back home. Going back home. <laughs> And recording the prequel to one of the greatest trilogies with your own trilogy.
2: Here's the thing for me about that, that ride. It was an insane ride. It really was. And it was a journey for any actor Uh, the only only person. Oh, well, I mean, um, Ian McKellen had been on that journey because he'd done Lord of the Rings. And so had Orlando Bloom and Elijah actually working with Elijah. Um, They'd been on that journey. But for our group, it was a whole new journey. But for me as a New Zealander, it was amazing because I wasn't in The Lord of the Rings. But I was so freaking proud of it, you know. I was so proud of it and I so would have wanted to be in it. And so to get cast in The Hobbit and especially as like a, you know, the, a kind of a leading dwarf role and iconic yeah. kind of to be one of Tolkien's wars. I couldn't believe it, man. When I got that call, I hadn't even auditioned. I'd auditioned months before for the um, Master of Lake Town that Stephen Fry played. And I'd even forgot, I'd forgotten about that, that I'd even auditioned. And then six months later, like, I got this call out of the blue just with an offer for the job. And it was, oh, my, I can't even describe what how amazing that was. It was like winning lotto, actually. That's what it was like. It was like saying, hey, you – Here's a phone call. Your entire life is about to change. Is that okay? (laughs) 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 No, I refuse. Um, (laughs) so, So it was amazing because I'd been so proud of Lord of the Rings. And then so to be involved in this whole new journey was an incredible thing. And it was an incredible thing for everybody involved. What can I say? Three Over three years, you know? And it felt like four because of going to premieres and stuff around the right. world. It was just incredible. It was amazing. Now,
1: was this was it shot similar to Lord of the Rings where you oh, shot okay. all three films at once? Yeah, pretty and much. Then, oh, and then oh, go back surprising. for pickups?
2: Pretty much, yeah, pretty much. But surprising, uh, you know, like just sometimes the way it works out with a project like that – a surprising amount is actually done in sequential order. I don't know mm-hmm. why it just sort of turned out that way, and that, that's that's not common, right? But it just we it, we did end up filming the journey like it was a journey. And the other fucking incredible thing, if I'm allowed to swear, sorry, too late, um, <laughs> is that is that the story is about thirteen dwarves on a and a, and a hobbit on a quest, on a quest and a journey to go to Erebor and to reclaim their gold and to get rid of the dragon. But just that we as actors <laughs> went on a, that journey as well. I mean, we actually went on that bloody journey and we traveled all around New Zealand and we went. Um, and that was just uh, it was like a parallel thing. What we went through was like actually a parallel to what, re, you know, to the story of uh, the dwarves and um reclaiming their goal we went through that journey we did all the shit we went barrels in the river we did the things in the book <laughs> for real for the most part <laughs> people don't so know then, how. yeah you go so then,
0: you must have uh, after it was all done. You must have felt like uh, like brothers or
2: or uh, oh, some absolutely. kind of family, oh, without at least a doubt, without a doubt. And also, we worked together in conventions. It slowed down a little bit now, but we worked together again mm-hmm. in conventions for a long time afterwards. So it was a it was a real brotherhood because we did share. It was very very hard work. I mean, it was you know life changing experience, amazing, incre- you know every step of the way. But it was not just It wasn't just a relaxed – it was tough. It was really tough.
1: So how does it feel? I know this is going to sound odd. What was it like being part of a movie that's three films based on one book? I don't think I've heard of any other book of anything get that type of treatment.
2: I I agree, and I know there's been a bit of controversy about that. But the only thing I can say – is that Tolkien didn't just write a book he actually wrote a world yeah mm-hmm. and you've got to and when you view it in that context it changes everything because a, a book is just is words written on a page but inside those words written on the page can be a universe of stories right and he and right. he you you know the hobbit even though it is a slim volume actually does touch upon other stories that are a part of a world, which is Middle yeah. Earth, you know, and it's, and part of a history. And so, what they actually really they wanted to do is they drew they wanted to draw on that, and they wanted to draw parallels with *The Lord of the Rings*. They wanted to draw on that history that Tolkien had created, not just the line the story the linear pardon me the linear story of a dwarf and um, the dwarves and a hobbit and a kingdom. And gold. They just, you know, they wanted to go into other areas and make it richer. They were tapping a deep vein of gold, (laughs) riches. It runs (laughs) underneath Tolkien's true, though. It's, It's true when you think about
0: it. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is.
1: Now, were you a Tolkien fan before you did The Hobbit?
2: Yeah, of course I was. Uh, not for a long time. I mean, I re—I got down to the—I couldn't have got to the library far, fast enough. <laughs> after, <laughs> I think that was the next <laughs> thing after the phone call. <laughs> <laughs> Get down to the library and going.
1: So, so now playing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> where's me? Where's my thing? <laughs> Um What got me in the? Um, it goes back to a lot. You guys are too young, but. Um, there was a huge resurgence in the early 80s yeah, um, yeah of uh, of Tolkien, yeah. and mm-hmm. it was to do with the whole culture of it. And Led Zeppelin did a movie called um, – why has it run out of my head now? <laughs> oh, what's the name of the movie? Come on, quick. Come on, guys. You should know. But anyway, Led Zeppelin got me into um, I'll get it Song you, Remains the Same. Yes. Song Remains the Same. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So, in that movie, they do, they do a song called "Ramble On." It's a Led Zeppelin yeah. song, and it mentions mm-hmm. God. And also, there's imagery in that movie of medieval fantasy. I mean, Ivan, you know, I don't know yeah. if it's called that, but that's what I call it sometimes. And I was just a young lad, and that is when I got into I got into Tolkien through Led Zeppelin. I probably wasn't the only one, because I I picked up from that, and I totally I drank those books in. The Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit. I can't actually remember when I read The Hobbit. It might have been afterwards, but I bloody loved the Lord of the Rings books. Yep. I just – it was one of those things. It was like a it was like a, a huge dinner, a four-course, you know, like a right. meal. Of, mm. um, I remember – Yeah, you go. I was going to say, I
1: remember reading – or not reading – seeing in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, the the animated feature.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah, me too. Me too. I Ralph have... Baschke.
1: And then going okay, I this is based on books. I want to go read the books, and I started with Hobbit. Then went to the trilogy. Um, then went back and read uh, the other books that he wrote around Middle Earth, and all that was in the '80s for me. Right. And um, well, there you go. I still have my. I still have my one of my sets from when I rebought it in college. Oh uh, wow. In the in the early '90s, it's out in my garage right now. Like I got is we're doing some re, rearranging in the house. But as soon as all yeah. that's done, those are coming in. They're, those yeah. are coming back into the house.
2: Yeah. Well, it is. It, um, it is such a you know, and this whole thing you know about Amazon doing a series. Yeah. I, think oh, yeah. I think that's fantastic. I mean, the thing is that I, I hope that they don't exploit it to the degree where it degrades the brand. Right. But yeah. I absolutely love the fact that it, it, um, to be part of something that started in like 1937, and when it, you know, like and to be part of such a rich, such a rich cultural heritage, it's a pretty amazing thing. I and mean, that is an honor. So, you know, uh, there you go. I mean. You can't get away from it. I was, I did that thing, and um, it was incredible. And I uh, just hope that the whole Tolkien thing goes on and on and on. It actually, what I do love about it is it, it brings out a kind of a gentle, kind of a hippie <laughs> thing <laughs> in people. The whole, doesn't it? You know, I know it's it's fighting and everything and wars, but the whole Hobbit thing. You know, people absolutely oh, yeah. love. You know, I've been to the Hobbit picnic here yeah. in Los Angeles two or three times. Oh. They held held it once hold it once a year and it's like a fair. It's like so fun and cute and tense and food and togetherness and, you know, they, people enjoying each other's company and eating stupid. An that does sound fun. Fun. So so what
1: the so with the Hobbit picnic? When you show up, do they call you William or do they call you Biffer or Biffer?
2: They call me William, but there is always a sense of excitement. Um, I am... Um, I loved Hobbit fans. I mean, they're just the best fans ever, and um, you know, I'm very lucky to be involved. That's all I can say. See, I, I'm glad that w-
1: with the way a lot of fandom is going right now, I am so glad to hear something positive
2: about fandom. Mm. And hey, listen, Mike, when you really think about it, it is actually it is actually fun tapping into that whole um, village feeling of right. community and that that. That's something like to- it's the English villa. It's the yeah. kind of thing about it. You know what I mean? That old and it's a much. It's a um, it's a fandom that's to do with not just dressing up and looking, although that includes that. It is to do with conviviality, right? And treating people right and uh, and drink and good cheer and all of you know. It's a goal. Mm-hmm. You couldn't get a better hearty kind of you know. Um, fandom it, and it's so positive and i don't know so much about you know star wars and all those ones because i've seen it a lot in conventions but it's just that mm. it's not my you know uh, I star wars I was a star wars fan for the first film don't you bloody worry about it but um, <laughs> but later on it's not something i've pursued but wh- i'm interested to know why you say that why where is fandom going in your opinion that um, well, makes you say that right now star wars fandom
1: is so toxic Oh and, really? And it and it's mm. what would you say Derek in the last 6 months it's just gotten really bad? Yeah.
0: Um why is that? There's well, there's there it's not the sad thing is it's not the entire fandom. It's, a, it's just a vocal minority. Yeah, but they're really loud and and obnoxious and they've they're there's like groups that have like done things like um um, they chased
2: um Oh I've uh, heard about I read something. Yeah.
0: yeah. The Korean yeah.
2: girl is she Korean, the actress? Uh, I'm not I sure. Said,
1: she might be, yeah. Kelly Marie Tran, uh Daisy that's, Ridley's yeah, been run
0: off. Um Yeah, they they you know, they harass them and
2: and um I'd like to see them try that with Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> <laughs> they actually um, did. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, they did. I know they did. I know. You're right, you're right. Well, I don't know the backstory to that, so it's, I can't comment on that at, in one iota. All I know is that negativity is such a bad fucking deal when it comes to, especially when it comes to fandom. Yeah. So the thing that I love yeah. I, about the whole convention thing is just how lovely everybody is and so positive. And it doesn't yeah. matter what the fandom, for the most part, everybody's there at conventions to have a good time and to just give feed positive energy and to admire each other and to... To so, you know yeah oh wow you look good you look really good you know I mean it's it's, uh, it's a a really great sort of st- structure of people supporting each other. So I don't like hearing that shit like that at all. Oh yeah. Um, yeah we
1: we do we do this as a hobby you know with the the podcast uh, Derek and I yeah. are on two two together and. Uh, yeah. Why one, one of them is a Star Wars podcast and, right. and it kills us to to hear the fandom uh is getting toxic and you know Star Trek the fandom was getting a little toxic after JJ J. Abrams and um you know you hear I a lot that- of others but it it was so it's so refreshing to hear you say Hobbit fandom yeah we're all chilling and I think that's, well, that's great right. I think that's that great is-
2: it is because it's about all those things that I just said it's about actually you know, you know it's got an it's got an underlying kind of current of good cheer and you know and vests <laughs> to, and cider and cheese and meats and people dancing and
1: <laughs> brotherhood It's not and- about
2: it's not about killing each other <laughs> Yeah it is about killing the bad guys but you know um, I think maybe, maybe Star Wars has just overreached itself a little bit uh, in terms of the maybe they've just, um, I don't know, why is there a bad, oh, i tell you what I was going to say, is that people that disagree with um, th- things in the story or the film should understand that it's nothing to do with the actor. The actor right, yeah. is a person that's just hired to do a job and if they disagree that that is in the film, I don't know what they said about this chick, but they have a right to disagree. But that disagreement should be with the writers and the director and the producers. They should not they should not ever attack the actor because the actor's got nothing to fucking do with it. They're just you yeah. know, being put right. in a story.
1: Well, I, I think, too, there, there's a way of doing it. And... I don't want to say being politically correct, since me personally, I think being politically correct is is getting too overdone. It is. um, But there's a right way of doing it without being malicious.
2: Well, it's just Uh, what I said. If if you disagree with it, if you disagree, you know, they're attacking the character, not the actress. Right. Or, you know, whatever. They've they've got to take it up with – it's not her thing. It's not her bad. So, you know.
1: But – Unfortunately, with with Star Wars, they take it up with the actress as well because yeah, I know
2: that, I know, I know. I mean, I know. And,
1: and that all goes back they, to to Jake Lloyd.
2: With so they, could, they with couldn't, they couldn't with uh, they couldn't with Jar Jar Binks, could they? Because <laughs> it wasn't real. <laughs> they had to go. They had to say, "We hate this character, and it's your fault." <laughs> they couldn't blame Jar Jar. <laughs> they had to blame the creators. <laughs> Yep. Anyway, enough Star Wars. <laughs> Star Wars, you Star yeah. Wars guys, using your yeah, Star Wars.
1: <laughs> so, what were some of your favorite moments on uh,
2: on The Hobbit? Oh, there were too many. There oh, we too got too many time. to count. Just uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've got three years. <laughs> um, oh, there were so many. There were so many. Um, the thing is, it was hard work. One of the you know the most favorite one of the most favorite bits for me all of us was not just the was location filming for this the barrel scene, but also studio filming for the barrel scene. It was absolutely incredible. For a start, they built. Oh look! If there ever should be an Academy Award for scaffolding, <laughs> The Hobbit should have got it. it what you would never ever believe the shit that they did. They built scaffolding down the side of a mountain because when they filmed their, when they filmed there for Lord of the Rings, the local Iwi, which is the Maori tribe, it's called an Iwi complained. And quite rightly so uh, that um, a lot of native plants, which are precious because it's on the side of a mountain had been crushed and destroyed. You know, they destroyed because you got 150, 200 people trampling all over shit. So this time they built this insane three, four-story structure of scaffolding down the side of a mountain so that they could get all the gear down the mountain without trampling on all the plants. It was incredible. Anyway, so back to the story. They did that at a place called Polaris River. They (laughs) built this incredible scaffolding to be able to film us getting in the barrel and, and to get into real water down a real river and really float down on real barrels inside them. It's what I said, Australia. Before is going really going through the journey. We really did that shit. We even went over the rope and down the freaking river <laughs> where we. And also, you know, like um, several of us had incidences in and that, that were incredibly dangerous. You know, I got out of my barrel stupidly, and you're completely just got all your gear on. So when it's wet and you're in the water up to here, no. <laughs> When it's wet, you weigh a ton. And um, Oh, anyway, never mind. I won't go on. But it was incredible. And then to go into the studio and they would built a river. And they built a river in the studio run by massive V8 engines. Wow. Um, they, would, they could go. It would, like, be one RPM and then they'd take it up, like, to ten. Oh. And so a lot of that shit is is real. At first they'd start us off all slow. And they tested out with all the stunt guys and everything at first. And they also had huge shoots of water um coming down on us as well so there was all of that but when they ramped it up to like full bloody tilt man it was incredible we were just bouncing around this thing smacking on the side and going under and up and bobbing and it was just the best fun (laughs) (laughs) if they ever do a ride they have to do the barrel ride it was amazing (laughs) because they specially made these barrels that actually had flotation devices inside so you, they couldn't be tipped over. They were designed so they couldn't t- – they still could tip right into the water, but you'd always come upright. Oh, and it wow. was just the way it was designed, oh, yeah. Man. But you're in water up to here in this huge wooden barrel with, um, with inflated tires inside, inflated in, inner tubes, we call them, I don't know, in New Zealand, inner tubes. And that was part of the whole thing. And then they put us in this thing, and they just whizzed us around. We did that for about two weeks. It was just incredible. Which, you know, it was just amazing. Anyway, so there you go. That was that was amazing fun. Oh, so what did you do today at
1: work? I uh, just rode a theme park ride. <laughs>
2: <laughs> just yeah, that's right. Just went in a barrel down a river. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Almost drowned. That,
0: <clears throat> that kind of reminds me of. Um, Tracy was telling us some of her war stories from from shooting movies with you guys. Um and she showed us some, some of her scars and stuff.
2: I know, I know. She-
0: <laughs> and Neil Neil said he liked to uh he definitely liked to uh push as far as possible.
2: He does, he does. He's actually <laughs> he's a bit um he's got a bit of Peter Jackson in him, in him, Neil. <laughs> uh, so Peter Jackson, Peter Jackson likes it in a shot when you've got to the point where you really are really tired. <laughs> so you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be running, running. Oh, we did a lot of running. We ran over most of New Zealand. Um, you're supposed to do a lot of running and look tired. And of course, the first t- couple of times you do it, <laughs> you. You're, you're, no, it was so hard. It was so hard. I'm, I'm making light of it, but it was really tough. But it's true. You did it a couple of times and then you're almost fucking dead. And then he says, now let's do it again. Let's do one. His favorite saying is let's do one for fun. Um, <laughs> now we've got that. Let's just do a fun one. Um, and but when you really, really got really, really tired, and you're supposed to be tired, that's when he loved. That's when he likes the shot. And Neil's a little bit the same. A little, you know, he kind of pushes his anxious. He doesn't care. You see, he doesn't. Care. He <laughs> cares about getting the shot. I, I respect that, though. I'm not saying that in a bad way, because actually, I kind of respect that. I kind of respect the fact that um, directors that. Um, to push it for what they win, the, it's terrible working with a director when you know they've got the shot and they keep doing it. That's <laughs> bad. But when you're working with somebody you respect and you know that they're looking for something, you willingly get out there and do it again and again and again and again until you're almost dead, really. You know, you just do it because you know that, you know, that's your job, basically.
1: What are. What is- What's one of your favorite moments with Neil that he pushed you so far? You just said, yeah, no. Oh, shooting
2: robots. (laughs) (laughs) Shooting robots over and over and over again, half dead in the heat of the Los Angeles sun, wearing uh, layer after layer, which is so Hobbit because that's exactly what we did layer after layer of shit <laughs> <laughs> It's quite takes quite a lot of physical energy shooting imaginary robots. I don't know if you guys realize it. it's tough work. I did not realize it that. Looks easy. Looks <laughs> easy, but it's not.
0: <laughs> well, you certainly do make it look easy at least.
2: Ah, uh, there you go. Yeah. That's the job. That's my job. <laughs> Okay, you're running out of questions.
1: No, I think we're trying to figure out who's going next.
2: Yeah,
0: I I didn't know if you were going to add. You like you were going to say something, Mike, so I was holding back. No, go for it. (laughs) So let's go back to Time War. So... What can you tell us about? No, I'm just. I know you can't tell us much. I can't. No. <laughs> Neil's, that one, I'm really, really, from what all you guys have said, though, I'm really, 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 really excited about that. Yeah, one. I yeah. I'm looking I forward seen, to. I haven't it.
2: seen any footage. All I know is what I've done and what mm. I've done. Um, looks pretty amazing, and I know how Neil puts things together. So anyway, you know, it is. It, um, it's an it's going to be exciting prospect. I mean, the future, the world is his oyster. Neil. So I guess let's,
1: since it just recently came out on DVD through Sony, let's, let's talk a little bit more about rogue warrior. Okay. Um, some of your, some of your highlights to the film that you enjoyed.
2: I enjoyed the imagination of it. Um, I really enjoyed the fact that, um, it brings out the boy in you playing with, you know, imaginary space games right. and robots and exploring your imagination in that way when you're an actor is the best fun on God's mm-hmm. earth. Uh, that's what I love about that. And I've already said, you know, I just – I really love working with Neil because I enjoy his vision and I enjoy his drive and I, I respect him as a filmmaker. I mean, he's just somebody that gets in there and does shit and I – Coming from Kiwi land. I just absolutely love that. Now what what sets Neil apart from
1: someone like Peter Jackson?
2: Well, money. <laughs> you know, I mean that's one thing. I don't know what I could say. I mean they're both at the end of the day, the thing that I love about the business one of the thing the moments that I love the most about working in the screen industry is when that you're at that, you know, you've been through all the read throughs and you've done rehearsals, maybe, you know, you've rehearsed, you've prepared your makeup tests, all that shit and all that shit. And then one day and the scripts are there and you've had, you know, but one day you are just at the camera head and there's the director and there's the DOP and there's the other actors. And they're talking about where to put the camera or, or, you know, or maybe not that some because it's usually planned for a big movie. But where things are going to happen, what's going to happen in front of the camera, and that, because it's an organic process movie making, and so right up to that moment where you're actually at the camera head and you're all there, and you and you come up with ideas, and sh- that's the magic for me, and and also nailing the scene, you know, you got to do that as well. You have got to be good, <clears throat> but it's just that process of when you're actually there, and it's Peter Jackson, and you're saying, hey, what if I try this, Pete? You know, and um. And ideas are flying, and 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 discussions are had about lighting, and 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 oh, I mean, and and movement of the camera. That is—it's magic because that's sometimes where the magic happens, right at that moment. Because that's the thing about movie making: everything changes right until the last moment. Things are always in a state of organic. It's a process. So that's what I love.
1: Okay.
2: Now I read
1: somewhere that. you he- – during the '90s, you kind of quit acting, and then you came back. I did. And then you came back in 2006 for a movie yeah. called Out of the Blue. I did. Yeah. What was it about Out of the Blue that brought you back into acting?
2: Oh, it's just the time was right. I mean, look, sometimes in life, your life takes a different direction, and I, I got a little bit burnt out. I'd done so much work. I did, it was kind of a bit of an overwork thing, and I got kind of overwork, and I um. Decided I uh, want to try producing. So I ended up actually doing that with a little bit of, you know, success, but not a hell of a lot. And I actually discovered it's just just as hard as being a bloody actor and being a producer. (laughs) But I ended up doing some, you know, I always stayed in the industry, but I ended up doing jobs like I um, ended up being a communications executive for a a huge production company in New Zealand and being Mm -hmm. part of like the executive side. So I started kind of segueing into the other side of the camera, um, and that particular film, well, Robert Sarkis is a fantastic director, but also that was an, that it was, it's a, um, based on a story, which is a, like a milestone in New Zealand sort of, uh, our social thing, because it was about a massacre in a seaside village, which really happened. Um, so uh, I don't know what that is. Is that, I, me? No, that, is that me. me? No, that was me. No, that was me. hard Yeah. Anyway, so there you go. So look, it was an incredible. It's just an amazing story, you know. And I, I played a, a character that won the George Cross for bravery because he went in as a cop, as a as a country cop. He went in and faced a guy with an automatic weapon, and he paid the price. But the thing is that that sort of shit had never happened in New Zealand. It's different over here. In New Zealand, that was like a, a, um, an awakening. It changed the whole. Um, uh, after that, we um, came up with a thing called the Armed Offender Squad, the AOS. So we, uh, a whole lot of things were put in place in case that should ever happen again. Um so the guy killed children and people. And it was a seaside village. He just went around popping at people. It was a terrible, terrible thing. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, that's an, that's an incredible film. If anybody checked that film out, it's called Out of the Blue, and it's a really good film.
0: Is it difficult um, playing a role based on a real person?
2: Yeah, it was, actually. It's funny you should say. It took a lot of prep. And um, we also, for that film, we actually met people that really dealt with the thing wow. for real. I know, I know, I know, and that was pretty because they immersed us in it. And we also actually fucking hell, I just remember we also worked with the um, one of the top, um, you know, emergency forces in use, you know, like elite of the elite, not the armed defender squad, but like black ops kind of shit—the people that protect the prime minister.
0: Oh, we wow. worked
2: with them as um, part of the research. It was incredible. In fact, we went to a. Um, you don't have it here, but in New Zealand, every now and then, there's places where they pick up houses and they put them in a yard to sell them. So they pick up the whole house and they really? go and park it in a yard. Yeah, yeah. Like and put right. it on a truck and go and put it on a yard and sell the house. Like okay, so it's like a ghost village because it's all oh, these wow. houses that are. One day going to be—they're not real; they're just on blocks. It's like a set, actually. So uh, we—that's what we used to to, um, train with these guys, and it was incredible. It was really an amazing experience. So uh, look, that's the great thing about getting the opportunity to do that shit—is the best fun about being an actor. You know, to train with a top squad of guys for a whole day of and guns, oh, yeah. <laughs> guns and how they approach an offender and how, you know, if the guy's, you don't know where he is, what the fuck you do and communications and incredible fun. Oh, there you go. It, uh,
1: sounds, that does sound pretty
0: cool. It is cool. It was cool.
1: O- overall, entire career, uh, what's been some of your favorite moments uh, like training with? With the defenders
2: um look there 's so many times when I found myself in bizarre, ridiculous situations as an actor <laughs> where you just think, sometimes it 's like being inside a building that you 've never been in you, and you 've often thought you know you 've driven past or a historical building where you 're filming on location somewhere and it 's somewhere you 've never ever been that is the best fun and i 've done stuff like shot at people from a dinghy in the middle of the ocean (laughs) you know being towed out in a dinghy and right out i'm talking fucking right out in the middle of the ocean to get a scene where i'm (laughs) shooting at somebody from the dinghy and and you just find yourselves in this alone bizarre situation what the hell am i doing out here in the middle of the ocean on my own pretending to do this shit So look, there's been too many. There's been too many. Look, I do, I will, I want to segue before we go. I want to segue into a the axiom, which is amazing. But the um, I also have a short film coming out called Lake, which is pretty incredible, psychological thriller. And as soon as I get the chance, I will, if I'm allowed to, I might even let you guys see it because it hasn't hasn't hit the market yet. It's only just hitting the market, and it's um, getting some strong reactions. It's a it's pretty out there, but. Um, I, have yes. I have to ask the director. I, I like a I'm good allowed. psychological thriller. Yeah. Oh, me too. Well, it's a short, so that's even better because it's only twelve minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I like
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> so, what got you into acting, or who um, who were your inspirations to get into acting?
2: It's, yes. Well, strangely enough, I was just talking to Neil Johnson about this and it was um, I remember when I was a kid, Hammer Horror Hammer Horror was I just love those Hammer Horror movies, I loved being a little kid you know, I was like 12, 13 and being titillated and terrified at the same time (laughs) because because Hammer Horror also had a bit of, you know, you might see a bit of tit (laughs) When you're 13, when you're 13, that's the biggest deal in the world. No, because they were sexy and they were kind of had a sort of an erotic element, and they were, but they were also scary as hell. When you're that age, I mean, probably if I saw them now, I'd probably go, "Oh my god, what an idiot!" But you know, Tales from the Crypt and all of those. Oh, look, um, all the um, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee, all those fantastic Uh, um, horror film actors. That helped me get me into acting for real because I just loved the um, being taken out of myself. That and Mary Poppins. Love Mary Poppins, too, when I yeah, was a little yeah. kid. That made me want to be an actor.
1: Now, did you see yourself going
2: into horror or <laughs> no, initially? Okay. I don't know. I'm just um, – to me, it's just the role. You know, if it's a good role, it doesn't actually matter. The genre doesn't matter. It's the um, – I like something I can get my teeth into, so to speak, a bit – Buddy Christopher Lee said that a few
0: times.
1: (laughs) I I, I would say probably probably with a slight Transylvanian accent, maybe.
2: (laughs) I would like something to sink my teeth into. (laughs) Something like that. A slight kind of Russian accent. Yeah. So anyway, and so um, oh, and when I I was bitten by the bug when I was about ten, I was in a play at school, and I just um, I never looked back. I ended up going to drama school and doing all the shit. It was
1: amazing. It, hearing you do the the Transylvania accent, I'm going <laughs> to say it right now. Let, let's figure out how we get you into this the Sony Morbius film, <laughs> which is a, a Spider Man spinoff. Oh, okay. That, that Sony's going to be
2: doing. Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. I'd love to be a Bond villain as well. Oh. Um, oh but at the end of the day, probably. I'm just going to take what I can get. And I am good at my job. And I just, um, you know, it's just like everybody else in life. You know, you um, work hard at what you do. And you build up credentials. And you build up reputation. And then you hope that the l- lucky, the fickle finger of fate Will point in your direction because <laughs> that is, also takes that. Unfortunately, in this business, it takes that as well.
1: Well, we we do try and get the word out there. So we'll we'll start pitching now. We want William Kurtz. You Kirtcher.
2: guys are doing a great job, and we, thank you so much. It's we want.
1: To talk. We want you in Morbius. We want you in a Bond film. Oh, thank there you. There we go. You, well, we'll start I would plugging love it. To see that? We'll we'll start <laughs> plugging it.
2: You start plugging in. I'm gonna have to go. I think I'm gonna have to go to get myself a drink. No problem. (laughs) And start and do some work. But it's been awesome talking to you guys. Oh, it's been our pleasure. Thank you for coming Big, on. Yeah. Thank, Big you for, thank you to Tracy to, um, for introducing us all.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> Any, anytime you want to come back, feel free, let us know. I'd down. love to. Feel free, let oh, us know. Well, you
2: know, uh, one thing, that uh, I do love about Tracy, when Tracy recommends people like you guys, it's because she knows you have true hearts. And that is important to me. It's not... And that's also what makes it fun. So it is actually, I mean, from the heart, it's a pleasure talking to you guys. You know, because oh, I we know you're true, true fans. Well, we, the, we,
0: the, we feeling, the feeling is definitely mutual. So that's yeah. sweet. Thank
1: you, Derek. Yeah, we always have people say, "Oh, what's your show like?" You know, when we bring people on, like we try and be laid back. You know, just let yeah, the conversation yeah. flow and yeah, yeah. You know, Makes you guys comfortable, makes us comfortable, and just it does, just it have is. some fun. It has,
2: and, and, it's fun, and we need each other. Yeah, that's I, great. I, I, <laughs> and,
1: it, and it's not one of those. Okay, here's all the questions we're going to ask, and we, we want prepared, scripted answers. No, uh, let's let's just uh, let's, wing it. Let's, 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 let's go let it happen.
2: Yeah, I think that's what's fun. So, all righty. Well, listen. You know, have a lovely evening. You and, too.
1: Um, well. Thank you, sir, for coming on. Um, Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. We can't wait until the next time you're available to come back. And why my soundboard just went that way. Um, Until next time. (laughs)
2: Until next time.